0: Welcome to the NOVA Podcast.
1: Welcome to the NOVA Podcast. I'm Jeff Counts, your guest host, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Jason Hardink, not only featured pianist on this program, but the artistic director emeritus of the Chamber Music Series. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me good to see you. I know about the composer of this work, Sean Ocpebelow, from you, which I could say about a lot of composers in my short history as a music person.
0: How did you discover Sean? What, what was the introduction? Um, through Facebook. I mean, Facebook gets a bad rap for a lot of deserved reasons, but sure. it, th- there's some great things about being a musician alive today and the way when you can connect with composers that you just couldn't. I, I don't know, even the 20 years ago. Right? Um, so he was sort of suggested that we have a lot of mutual friends on Facebook in common. Um, and so he was suggested and I, I clicked on his profile as a composer and I just started checking out his music and uh, was blown away instantly. Let's talk about the piece for a second. Three
1: mm-hmm. different cultural perspectives on the Christian hymn. Um, how did, what was your way into this music? What did you, what did you do to kind of, did you study the source material? What's your...
0: Do you mean as a performer or just yeah. listening to it? Both. Yeah I, I think ultimately one of the benefits of this whole change of lifestyle during the pandemic of I'm an orchestra musician was kind of used to that grind of like anywhere from one to four different programs a week and I'm just listening to music differently now because I'm, our our life is so changed. Sure. Um, and I'm just more open and wanting to listen to what other people have to say. Um, so I find that in an instance like this, that the emotional, the immediate emotional response I had to his music is in a lot of ways more important to me than anything else. Just from like the first sounds of hearing his music and hearing this piece, um, I, I didn't need a way in anywhere but through here. Sure. Um, but I don't think that's what you're asking me.
1: Well, I am curious about, I mean, look, I know your history. Uh, I know that you've studied messian intensively. And I know that one of the things that Sean and Messian have in common, he'd probably be thrilled to be compared, but is that they're both people who come from a perspective of great faith. Of course. Yeah. So you've, and that could certainly be said about music throughout history. That's not a new concept, but for me, not a very religious person, I usually find my way in through the rituals, through the readings, through Mm. the subject matter which I find very interesting. And the writing is often very beautiful. And I know this three looks at the the Christian hymn is a way in if you studied the source material, if you looked at the words, I know it. in one of the movements, you actually have to vocalize a little bit and sing some of the yes. words. So how did you
0: find your way in as a performer
1: to this piece?
0: Um, it wasn't hard. I mean, uh, <laughs> to be so reductive but the piece is just so good yeah. i didn't have to think about it i mean like in the case of messian if you think about a movement like l'esprit de joie the 10th movement of the vent Regard, like i played that movement before i wrote my dissertation and like studied the plane chant upon which the music is based and that gave me a deeper understanding of the music but it didn't change that emotional relationship i had with it so um i Sort of just restating how important that seems to be to me these days. And yeah. um, I also find that once upon a time, I had this um, aversion to, like, if I thought I heard someone else's style, like Ives or Messian or Copland or whatever, in a living composer's music, I tended to be like... Um, dismissive but like i know where you got that idea and i find myself letting go of that which i think is very healthy for me um so like i hear a lot of ives in this piece and i know that ives is an important um composer to to sean and um that's if there was a a way in maybe that's it for me just that sort of ivesian like you think about the hazy qualities of the second movement, the way the hymn tune is sort of woven around like church bells and these sort of strange meandering lines with the pedal down like echoing through a field or so, um, not really describing it very well but no, I... um, it's that Ives sound I think that probably was my initial like I know what this is, I know how to play Ives. That
1: My big reveal for this interview was to tell you that I actually heard Ives in this music. No one will ever believe that I thought of that before you said it. <laughs> it's forever lost to time, but I totally agree with you. I heard Concord Sonata in this mm-hmm. piece. I know that when you can, you like to talk to composers that you're oh, yeah. working with for the first time. So did you and Sean speak? Do you, how, oh, what's yeah, the nature we, of the relationship?
0: yeah, we actually, yeah, we spoke. Um, this is perhaps the quickest relationship sort of formed with the composer in that, um, you know, I listened to a few of his spiritual arrangements, and then his song cycle to black churches and then I found the solo piano piece. Wrote him right away. This is all within like 20 minutes of clicking on his Facebook page. Like, like, I need to get the score to this piece. Um, So the solo piano piece, I practiced for about an hour that day and I just had this like lightning bolt of, do I get to play this piece? Is it, you know, just sort of going to the question of like, do should white singers sing spirituals oh. and if if uh you know what is that tune that the second movement is based on and then if i have to sing and vocalize if it's a an old spiritual then you know maybe maybe i've sort of come crossing a line that um anyway so i wrote him and i was sort of stammering out all these ideas and what colonialists did to africa And the first movement is based on these um african rhythms and african uh uh sort of version of a hymn Mm -hmm. and so Nigerian um so we had a zoom a couple days after this email exchange to just talk it through and he was uh, so supportive and um just amazing to you know just meet up with a complete stranger and have this really frank discussion about race and society and politics and music and 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 talking through um this question of I mean I am the first white dude to play this piece so I think it was actually an appropriate question to ask
1: maybe not even something he'd thought about before you brought it up yeah I don't know yeah Yeah. you know I I know because we've talked that this question is something that's occurring to you a lot and I think it's probably having um the sensitivity to these issues is probably influencing a lot of the composers you're seeking out these days. Can you talk a little bit about, I know that you're constantly on the lookout for new voices to interpret. Yeah. What kinds of things are you seeking out these days? I mean, is, is, was finding Sean
0: part of a larger goal of yours right now? Well, um, like I said, the initial, the initial connection is random, a right. Facebook al- algorithm. Yeah. So I wasn't looking for him specifically. I didn't go through some database and stumble across his music there but um I'm suggesting that Facebook might know the
1: answer to this question I'm (laughs) asking you seriously yeah
0: because um well I feel like um when it comes to the question of white supremacy in classical music and asking asking the fundamentals I feel a little bit I mean I I haven't gone to AA meetings or anything like that, but I honestly feel like asking myself the question: Have I participated as a classical musician in in white supremacy at any level by my repertoire choices? Sure. Um, I'm sorry. The answer is yes. Sure. My repertoire hasn't been diverse enough, and I know that's you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm only interested in looking at the mirror because I, don't, I can't turn my sort of gaze out at other organizations and get all judgy about what other people are doing. The important thing is to figure this out for myself first. Um, and I just honestly feel like the structure <laughs> of um, a lot of the way the classical music industry is sort of generates artists and and promotes composers and musicians um, feels dismissive to to people of color. And so, what can we do about that and i um i will tell you that the okay i I don't want to derail the conversation here but with my own journey i think the you know i was maybe during when black lives matter first started you know starting to read baldwin Tanahasi coates like i need to educate myself i don't read enough black authors and i need to like I've got work to do. Yeah. Um, but I still had that feeling, I just like, I feel like I'm in a confessional right now. You should be behind a, <laughs> lightning, <laughs> a, would a <laughs> yeah. lightning would strike, lightning would strike. Because I, I didn't mean to go here, but I, I, f- I still had that feeling of like, oh, society in America, but I'm powerless to do anything, like, um, and here I am. Uh, A pianist who plays music and loves playing music by living composers. I I don't have to participate in this like having my solo repertoire be like 99.9% dead white dudes Mm -hmm. like classical pianists can sometimes do. Mm -hmm. I have the ability to, you know, move beyond that. We all do. But again, I'm looking inward when asking these questions. Um, There was a great article that came out in 2019 by this composer Anthony R. Green. It's titled, What the Optics of New Music Say to Black Composers. Um, And that's a great resource, I think, for any musician to just sort of, if you're asking this question, it's a great perspective from a black composer about how things, how things look and what feels right. Talking about like, you know, should, is is doing one concert with all African-American composers during Black History Month uh, for your series is that the answer you know um and really diving into those those questions i found that to be also just formative in my attitude of like him just asking the basic question of like we're not asking or just saying yeah there is something you can do play play music by black composers like oh yeah i could do that so this is a very long answer to your no, question it's important I'm... Obviously on my mind and has me kind of worked up uh, these days, because I think when you, you see, I mean, white supremacy is talked a lot about in, you know, our surroundings, but I think the classical music world, you know, we're discussing it, but I think like most things we will be a little slower to really, adjust
1: slow to react does define our industry there's <laughs> yeah. no question about yeah. that but i've appreciated this inward looking you've been doing because i've been able to learn vicariously through the things you're discovering so one of the things i appreciated about learning about sean through you is that you always give me homework when we talk about composers mm. so let's give the listeners some homework with regards to sean name two or three pieces of his that they can find easily online that they should be listening to uh, oh. to get to know him a little
0: okay. bit better um. The first thing I would suggest is his arrangement of the spiritual, "O Freedom, it's a great performance that was done at the Colburn School, I forget what the festival where it was performed, but get into YouTube, yep. Sean Ocpevelo, "O Freedom, this will pop right up. It's Just like a, a four-minute arrangement of a spiritual, voice and piano, um, <sighs> mind-blowing. It's, it's earth-shattering, <laughs> there's no question. Um, and then if you have more time, his song cycle, Two Black Churches, is a longer, maybe 17, 18 minute piece. Um, the two churches that are being talked about, I believe are the, the famous Birmingham um, bombing in the 60s, and then the more recent um, shooting, The Dylan Roof. Yep, the, um, right. Point being that that is an amazing journey, that piece. And um, that's really where I was listening to the piano writing and the way it interacts with the voice and just thinking, <laughs> Tell me he has some solo piano music because I just am in love with this this music.
1: Well, I can say, having listened to those pieces, they are a great introduction to his music, and I think a really great primer to this piece that they're about to hear you play, which I know you've been on this journey. I've appreciated experiencing it vicariously through you, and I think you do this piece a great deal of justice. It's a oh, wonderful thank you. performance. Thanks. And links to those pieces that Jason mentioned will be on the show notes for this podcast, so please. As I mentioned, do your homework and check this out. It's well worth your time. Jason, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the candor. Amazing conversation.
0: Thanks for having me. (laughs) Jason Harding performs Shonak Pebelo's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs on the next concert in Nova Season, available beginning Friday, April 23rd at novaslc.org. The Nova podcast is made possible by the support of our donors and season sponsors. Nova has received generous support from the Utah Legislature, the Utah Division of Arts and Museums, the Lawrence T and Janet T D Foundation, Salt Lake County Zoo Arts and Parks, the George S and Dolores Story Eccles Foundation, Isotope Salt Lake City Arts Council, the Cultural Vision Fund, Dominion Energy, Rocky Mountain Power Foundation, the Alice M. Ditson Fund of Columbia University, and the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music. Don't forget to subscribe and share the NOVA podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening.